and welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on how you can be a part of Refuge Church, join us on Sunday mornings in Jacksonville at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. Or visit our website at refugejackschurch.com. In this week's podcast, we are continuing our marriage sermon series. Thank you for listening. If you have a Bible, if you'll find Ephesians chapter 5, um, before we get there, man, there's just sometimes I feel like the Lord just shows up in a song or in a morning, uh, man, in here or at the table or in the car, and uh, I don't know about you, man, I just want to sit in moments like that, and so I'm grateful for, man, our worship team, and uh, Stephen shared that song with me, I speak Jesus a couple weeks ago, and I was like, yep, so let's sing that one, so... Uh, uh, listen, today's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day uh, to all the moms. Man, today we, yeah, you can clap, go crazy, that's fine. Uh, today we love you, man, we honor you, we're grateful for you. I pray your day is full of uh, sugar and cake and chocolate and naps uh, or Madden and football, like whatever you're into, like that's between you and Jesus and your family, but I just pray whatever you're into, you just get a lot of it, okay, and you get a lot of hugs, and I pray that your kids brought you breakfast in bed and coffee, and if they didn't, shame on them, uh, just publicly want to shame them as appropriate for that, okay, so, uh, but I do pray, man, your day is good and encouraging and restful, and you do feel honored today, um, and I also know that today can be a day of grief and sorrow and, and even longing, men, for some, so here's just a, just a thing, just know that today, and wherever you are in that whole journey, and that you're loved by God and seen by Him today. Uh, today at the conclusion of the service, uh, they will have flowers outside. For any uh, lady who's come to refuge, um, whether you're 100 or younger or even older, man, we just want to tell you and remind you that you are His beloved above all today. Uh, so happy Mother's Day, and man, I do pray that today is joyful and celebratory uh, and good. Um, there's no way to transition, so forgive me, but uh, we are in a series on marriage. So uh, Beth said, you need to read the room. And I said, hey, I'm just reading scripture. So um, Ephesians chapter 5 is where we'll be. This Friday, uh, we're doing a date night in conjunction with our marriage series. If you need child care, we're offering that. You need to sign up. If not, uh, then just show up. Um, and we would love to just spend some time with you Friday night. Friday the 13th, that's strange, but we're still going to do it. Not going to be spooky, uh, but we're still going to spend some time together. Um, and our goal in that is no, it's not going to be a sermon, uh, anything like that. I mean, we just want to give you an opportunity, about an hour, to connect with your spouse. Read scripture, pray together, worship together, brag on one another, those kind of things. We'll meet in here. Um, there was an email that went out. There'll be another one this week. So uh, you can sign up with Miss Barb if you do need child care. If not, man, just show up. So um, that is the plan. So during May, we're going to be opening God's Word to three different passages and talking about marriage and really the idea of what is a gospel-centered marriage. We're looking at last week, Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 in a few weeks and today, and then next week will be Ephesians 5. So, man, mark these in your Bible. Go back to them. Read them. Uh, I mean, if you, like, go through the notes later, these are good places to go back to. And, and we said this last week, and we said it in the email, uh, but everyone, be, uh, listen, this series and talking about marriage is for everyone because all of God's word is for everyone, no matter what season of life you're in. 
Um, and so I pray, um, and that this will be encouraging to you. And if, and if you are married, I pray that you're using that card, 31 days of scripture and prayer. Uh, and one couple told me it just caused a fight. That's not really the goal. Um, and the goal is to bring you guys together. Okay. Uh, do you remember your first fight as a couple? Do you remember this? Uh, if you do, if you're married, um, I remember, and I don't mean like when you were dating and you kind of had a tiff and then just smiled cutely at each other. I mean like one where there's some time lapse where you didn't speak, um, or the speaking wasn't kind, um, Shortly after Beth and I got married, uh, we were living in this tiny apartment, uh, it's probably about the size of that corner of the stage. Um, we were trying to figure it out. Beth was finishing up. We got married in April, and so she's finishing up um, in a semester of school, getting ready to graduate uh, that, you know, that, that May, and uh, she had been real busy, and, um, and I had a day off, and so I was home that day in our tiny apartment, and I decided to do something really nice for her. I decided to do the laundry, so I collected all of her laundry, um, I collected all the towels we owned, uh, the bed sheets, uh, and everything that I could find, and I just crammed everything into one load in the washing machine, uh, clothing, sheets, towels, if I could find it, I crammed it in there, because that felt right, I wanted to honor her, right, and so poured detergent, poured a whole bunch of bleach, uh, and shut, now I'd never done laundry before, that probably should have been said to start with, did you know, in fact, you had to sort laundry, like certain colors go together, you don't bleach certain things, I learned this this day early in marriage, and so shoved everything in, I remember like pushing it down so I could get the washer to shut, uh, it was one of those where you close the top and it makes a loud noise, close the top, makes a loud noise, turned it on, was super proud of myself, and I was so proud, in fact, that I decided when it got done, I would move it to the dryer and then again fold it, okay? So um, she comes home, and I have everything folded and on the dining room table, and I walk over to the table and stand in front of it like this, you know, like presenting, look at what I've done for you. You know, you guys, we do this in marriage, right? Look at what I did. Y'all play that game? Look at what I did. No, look at what I did. Every marriage plays that game to some extent. And so I'm playing this game. I'm just standing there all proud of myself. And she goes, what did you do? <laughs> and I said, well, clearly I did the laundry. Like I was trying to honor you and serve you. And she went, Oh, and I remember going, oh, who are you? Like, I just did this for you. And she's looking at everything that I've now ruined. There was everything that used to be pink and blue is all now white or spotted with white stuff because of bleach. And I mean, it was terrible, right? And I remember looking and saying, I tried to do something nice. And she went, oh. And I just remember this, uh, we had this, think like wild, wild west, this silent off where we just didn't speak. And so we lived in this tiny apartment. And I remember, well, she's not going to tell me thank you. I'm not going to speak to her. And he, she's thinking, I'm guessing he ruined all my stuff. I'm not going to speak to him. And so I just remember passing in the hallway like this, going to bed that night like this and going, this is marriage? Like I served you, right? I remember, I remember laying in bed that night. I'm pulling the blankets over on my head and going, I served this woman. What is her problem? I can remember thinking this, right? And I ruined all her stuff. I had no clue what I'd done. This is marriage, is it not? Two sinners trying to live together in honorable ways and serving one another, or at least attempting to, and things go awry. And John Stott says the biblical idea of marriage, that marriage is an exclusive heterosexual convening between one man and one woman, ordained and sealed by God, preceded by the leaving of parents, consummated uh, in intimacy, issuing in a permanently mutual, supportive partnership, and normally crowned and often crowned with the gift of children. The Word of God will tell us that the highest calling in your life, the highest place of honor, your first ministry, the thing that should get your most energy, effort, time, and even prayer, if your marriage should be marriage. May I just have you, so you can take some notes today to write this down, your mission above all is marriage is your marriage. If you're married, now if you're not, maybe a little different, but if you're married, your top priority, your mission above all is your marriage. We talk a lot about being sent here, and part of being sent is as you go home sent today, you're going home to the mission of marriage. 
Last week, we began by looking at Genesis 2 and 3. And the purpose of marriage is oneness that glorifies God. And here's what we said, that that Adam and Eve, perfectly well-known to each other, so they stood there, no clothes, knew each other fully, and felt no shame. But then later, they sin, and they cover themselves. That the temptation in life and in marriage is to hide. And so we said it this way, that really what we're going to talk about for five weeks is there's this, there's this tension that we all live in between oneness and self-centeredness. That marriage is moving towards this way, intentionally moving towards oneness. And then our default is to fall back into self-centeredness. That we're either moving towards oneness or we're moving towards self-centeredness. And I would say our natural lean is to fall back and, and take care of ourselves. And the challenge is to pursue oneness. Oneness is the idea of moving in the same direction. One word we use was together in Christ. I would tell you oneness takes intentionality. Self-centeredness, though, self, self-fulfillment, hiding is, is kind of our default. If you read any Christian or secular book on marriage, they will tell you there's a couple of areas that most marriage problems stem from. You probably can guess these. One is uh, intimacy or what you might call mommy and daddy special time. Are we on the same page? That's one. Another one is communication. And usually in marriage, you have, especially with this one and the next one, you have one person that's really good at it and one person that, that doesn't understand it, right? Uh, a third area of struggle is money. I find in most marriages, you have one person that, man, they do such a good job with money, and the other one probably shouldn't be trusted with a, a $5 bill kind of a thing, right? I know, man, when we got married, I learned really quick that if I gave my wife a $20 bill, somehow she would provide that and more money later. She can just save and just such an incredible job with that. However, if you give me $5, somehow I still owe someone money later, even though I didn't spend it. Like this, and you can imagine how that created conflict, right? I would buy somebody lunch Saturday, we'd go to church on Sunday, and she'd say, you want to go to lunch? We can't. Why? Well, I bought lunch yesterday. <laughs> like, like money, right? Families, man, expectations, that hits today, doesn't it? Aren't you going to be at mom's for lunch? Well, when you're married, there's no longer one mom. There's two. Who's making that phone call, sending that text? Most marriage struggles for one more thing. I added this one, but I believe it's true, is a time or busyness. Listen, I think this most people, man, we, there's this old adage that every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. And so we can say yes to a million good things, but if it causes us to say no to a good thing, to our marriage, then these things aren't good. I mean, busyness will absolutely kill your marriage. There needs to be time to connect, to talk, to settle. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to look at Ephesians 5 with you. I'd like to work backwards a little bit. I'd like to start in verse 31. We'll finish the chapter with three verses, and then we're actually going to jump back to verse 17. Does that make sense? So we're starting 31, do three verses, and then go back to verse 17. And here's why. Because there's a word in this passage we're going to read. The word is in verse 22 and then a few other verses uh, that people have used to do all sorts of damage in marriages, specifically in the church. A word that has been used incorrectly, improperly, used to hurt and abuse others. A word that in our culture is seen as harsh, derogatory. However, I believe that when we understand this word in the context and application correctly, that word becomes a lot less scary or intimidating. If you've grown up in church and know anything about Ephesians 5, you'll know the word I'm talking about. But I'm not going to tell you the word yet. Verse 31 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We started here last week. We said this is the aim of marriage. 
Man, oneness that glorifies God. There really is no argument around God's expectations and calling on marriage than oneness, one unit, man, together moving in the same direction. Genesis, when, when God gives the first couple, lays out that plan, and Paul later in Ephesians, thousands of years later, continues to articulate that same plan. Man, that we are to move together. One of my favorite things to do in premarital counseling, I'm doing a few of those right now for some people that are about to get married, is, is I do about six or seven sessions, and usually in the first section, they sit down in that session, and their hips are touching. They're so in love. They just love each other, and like one of them has their arm around the other one, or there's maybe an eye hand on the thigh. And by the last session, they're usually on other ends of the couch. And my favorite thing to do in marriage counseling, and I have it in my notes just to kind of point that out. I used to take pictures, but that felt mean, okay? And so I just go, hey, do you notice? Because what happens, and we said this last week, is, listen, marriage gets hallmarked to death. And so often it's built in feelings and not in truth. And so for pre-marriage, like, like engaged couples are so excited that all those emotions and feelings that are great, if that's the only thing there, then when you start to dig into some truth, some challenges come up, don't they? Verse 32 says this. So Paul's continuing to talk about marriage. And man, I would underline this in the Bible. He calls marriage a profound mystery. Look what he says. This mystery is profound, marriage. And there are days you need to remember that this mystery of the marriage that I'm with this person that I claim to love today is profound and it is a mystery. This mystery is profound. And we're going to get more into this verse next week. But I'm saying this as it refers to Christ and the church. What is the mystery? Part of the mystery is that two people who are very different can become one. I don't know where most of your arguments as a married couple start. I can tell you where ours do. Most of them happen around the subject of driving. This is when both of our values seem to be most compromised. We see others for who they really are, how they live, what they listen to, how loud they listen to it. My wife wrote that in the notes. And how they view others, especially when they come to a crosswalk. Um, man, a few years ago on an anniversary trip, uh, we got this, this incredible gift of going to Chicago while we were there. We were in a car. We're driving around. We'd never been to Chicago. And because of the way I'm wired, I wasn't going to plan to go. We're just going to go and figure it out because that's how I'm wired. Well, we're driving around trying to find these places we're going. And, and I just, man, I have no clue where I'm going. And it's getting heated in the car. Don't turn here as I turn here, right? That kind of thing. And we, we go through a light and it's yellow. And here we go again, if you were here last week, and, and I go through it, because yellow means what? Hurry up and get through, right? This is, we all know this, right? So I push through, get through the light, and she goes, the camera got you. How did the, it's yellow. It says go, right? Like, can't, yellow means hurry up, right? And she goes, no, yellow means slow down. It's about to be red. And I was like, what, what Bible do you read? Like, this is, the, you know, and so this thing starts in the car. We're on an anniversary trip, and she's like, that means it's about to turn red. No, it means it was just green. Get on, through. like, and we're arguing in the car. She's like, it doesn't matter. The camera got you. I was like, the camera didn't get me. And then I said, we're in a rental car. What are they going to do? Track me down, right? And she goes, well, we probably don't need to eat dinner out tonight because you're going to have to pay for that. We're not paying for that. Like, they're not, it's a rental car, right? Two months later, we're at the house. City of Chicago letter shows up, $286 for plowing through the lights. So we shouldn't have gone to dinner that night, right? I never told Beth about it. She's not in here. She's in the first service, so you're welcome to hold on to that. So, no, I'm kidding. Listen, but traveling, driving, they reveal our differences. Like, I'm impulsive if you haven't, like, been around me. I want to have fun. I don't really want to have a plan. I tend to learn the hard way best. I'm a little bit of an extrovert. My wife is wise. The gift my wife has, she forgets nothing. I don't think she's ever forgotten anything. She's introverted. She's also the smartest human I've ever met. And so I process things on the fly and out loud. If you've been around me and I'm thinking through stuff, you're going to hear all of it. My wife is slow and methodical. So when we got married, there was a clash. 
And there's still a clash as we process these things. Listen, these, 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 these differences can bring arguments and fights for sure. These are also the reasons we don't drive to church together on Sundays. <laughs> these differences can also make us better. And God knew this in bringing us together. Hear, hear me and maybe write this down. God intentionally brings a spouse into your life for your goodness, your wholeness, your holiness, and to root out selfishness. Like you think you're selfish and then you get married and you go, oh, God intentionally brings a spouse into your life for your goodness, your wholeness, your holiness, and to root out your selfishness. Verse 33, he says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is such a powerful verse that we end with and we shouldn't really end with. He says, love your wife as yourself, men, husbands. And see that the wife respects her husband. And to love her as yourself, you've got to know what that means. Because if I invite her to sit alongside me during a football game and she doesn't care about football game, that probably is not quality time that she appreciates. But I need to ask her, hey, what does it look like man, for me to show you love? Like, have you asked her that? What are your needs? How can I, and here's the question, ready, men? It's like cheat code, but you got to do it like not just tomorrow, but in six months. How can I serve you daily in a way that would encourage you to love God more? You ask her that question, she's more than likely going to answer, and then write that down and do it. And then there's another line here, and it says, wives, respect your husbands. Can I just encourage you? I think one of the most powerful things that a wife has in her pocket is the words, honey, I respect you. We live in a world that beats us up as men and women. Man, and to hear that my wife respects me, I mean, I'll run through a wall if I hear that. And here, here's the... I'm going to try to give one marriage tip this entire series. This is the one. This is two words. Be kind. Be kind. We live in a cruel, harsh world. And our souls need to know there is someone in this world that will be kind to me even when no one else will be. Be kind. And if you haven't been kind, then start being kind. However, what Paul's going to say here is all of this and the idea of oneness and everything else is rooted in this idea. Are you ready? Here's the word. The word is submission. This word I mentioned earlier, and it triggers some. Submission is the profound mystery that Paul is referring to. Submission is a bad word in our world, is it not? We live in a culture of liberation and freedom. Don't tell me what to do. Submission is seen, if any is a sin, today in our world, submission is seen as a sin. But think about it. Submission to one another leads to oneness, but self-liberation leads to self-centeredness. But, but here's the crazy part. To be fully known in marriage, two is one, brings freedom that is unmatched on earth. And so the submission that Paul is referring to ultimately, hear me, is towards Christ. If you hear nothing else and you check out before this or after this, you're going to submission that Paul is going to refer to here is ultimately towards Christ. And submission goes against the grain for so many of us. The idea that I have to fall under another's leading instruction and leadership, especially those that I'm submitting to that are sinners. May I just tell you what I'm learning and continuing to learn and have been learning for 27 years of ministry? That scripture teaches that God places all leaders in positions of leadership, but that doesn't make them godly leaders. Is that not true? 
Have you been around some leaders who claim that God placed them there because he did, but they're not super godly? Scripture teaches that God places all leaders in positions of leadership, but that doesn't mean all leadership is godly. The Bible describes marriage that pleases God in terms of mutual submission that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible describes marriage that pleases God in terms of mutual submission that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you may have heard it this way. This is how I heard it growing up. Men lead and women follow. But that really doesn't communicate at all what this passage is stating. This passage is really stating that we are to submit to Christ. And in doing so, it will ultimately lead to submission to one another that leads to oneness. Look, at, look back at verse 17 with me. And I want to give you the context of all of this. See, if we open the Bible just to a random verse, we may only understand about a third of that verse. We've got to understand what was said to understand what's being said. Verse 17 says... Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk on much wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? Amen. Praise the Lord. And these are marks of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all of your heart. Give verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I don't know about you, most Bibles have a gap or a break there, and they shouldn't. Verse 21 is a transition verse that carries on into 22. This is like reading a Harry Potter book if you do such things, or watching a football game in Harry Potter book at page, you know, two-thirds in, you just close it and walk away, right? Or third quarter football game, you're like, I'm out. I think they got it. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, like it, does, it continues. There's a gap in our Bibles that probably shouldn't be there, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, and he continues. So this is all under the guise of, of, of men of being under the submission of the Holy Spirit, and all under the guise of submitting to one another out of reverence in our Bibles, this break probably shouldn't be there. It's probably added when they added sections and chapters for public reading. So, man, in your Bibles, you can even draw a little arrow down to 22. Because if we just start at 22 and we start there, we miss the context of what Paul's talking about. If you start with wives submit to your husbands, then you miss the context of the whole thing. Paul leads up to marriage by talking about being filled with the Spirit. Listen. Your marriage will not work if you're not filled with the Spirit. Only being filled with the Spirit does Christian marriage work. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is the demonstration of humility and maturity in the life of the believer to trust God's sovereignty is better than man's wisdom. Biblical submission is almost always evidence of trust in the Lord and strength in the Lord in the life of a believer. In submitting our lives to Christ, we are filled with the Spirit. And only by being filled with the Spirit will Christian marriage work. And so the mystery of marriage that Paul talks about in verse 32 is submission. I'm quoting my wife because she wrote this and told me to say it. I don't like that. <laughs> it makes some of us bristle. But the secret to a godly, gospel-centered marriage is a husband and a wife who willingly, even joyfully, submit to God and his word. Let me just talk about it a little more. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York, says this, the introductory statement for Paul's famous paragraph on marriage is verse 21. 
So to understand 22 through 33, I've got to understand 21 is what he's saying. He's saying that modern Westerners, which is Americans, readers immediately focus on the word submit because for us it touches the controversial issues of gender roles. But to start arguing about that is a mistake that will be fatal to the t- true grasp of Paul's point. He is declaring that everything he is about to say about marriage assumes that the parties are both Christians and therefore filled with the Spirit of God. And only if you have learned to serve others by the power of the Holy Spirit will you have the power to face the challenges of marriage. There's a lot of introduction as we walk into verse 22. So we don't get up and go submit, but no, we go, hey, submission starts with me being submitted to God. The Holy Spirit empowering me to be able to submit to one another. I know and hear me, there are a lot of so-called Christian men and husbands who do not live lives worthy of submission. And a wife will only ever desire to submit to the husband when he is submitted fully to Christ. Did you hear that? A wife will only desire to submit to the husband when he is submitted fully to Christ. You want to know why? Because in the end, she's really submitting to Christ. For the man, headship in marriage calls the husband to be the servant leader, to die to his flesh. He must lead like Christ did. You think about a high calling, meaning he is willing to die for the other in service to her. And so in honor of Mother's Day, let's take a shot at some husbands, right? And I'm shooting at me as well. Husbands, we are to lead out of a worshipful posture. That was the point of verse 20, uh, 20 what was it, 21, 19. And look what he's saying. Lead out of a worshipful posture. How do you speak to them? What's overflowing? If worship isn't in you, it can't overflow, right? That's for another sermon, but right? Husbands must resist. You ready? We must resist the desire to lead out of the flesh. How about this one? To lead out of insecurity, to lead out of ego, or to lead out of laziness. We only lead by being submitted fully to the Spirit. And husbands, here's the question. You need to write this down and wrestle with this this week. Husbands. And you can just ask it in first person. Do I live a life worthy of submitting to? Then are the fruit of the spirits available? Are you kind? Do you ask for forgiveness? Because you should, often. Do you offer forgiveness as Christ forgave you? Man, do you offer grace as Christ offers grace to you? One of the greatest turnoffs to the idea of biblical submission is Christian men who do not live lives worthy of submission. And I realize some men need to grow up and some men need help and some men just need to get saved. Man, but on a daily basis, husbands, how are you practically serving your wife? Let me just throw some questions out. And so we said this last week, this is not your opportunity to poke if they don't. This is an opportunity for the spirit to work. Don't remove the spirit by poking. Man, do you pray for her and with her? Do you build beautiful and godly things into her life? Hint, buy her flowers, even if they're not in the budget. They remind her of the beauty that God sees her in. Do you make time for her? So, do, do, like me watching the new Batman and inviting her to be a part of that, that's not time for her. That's time for Batman, right? Like, like that we miss it, right? Do you watch HGTV with her? Do you ever bring her breakfast or coffee in bed? Get up a little early on a Saturday and run, do those things. And, and let me pause. Like, you can do these things great tomorrow, but if you only do them tomorrow, what's the point? Do you move in the same direction she's moving or wait for her to get on board, man? Move in her direction. Do you take her on dates? This is huge. Please hear me. Do you say no to the kids and yes to her? Hey, all of you, sit down and shut up. I'm going to go talk to your mom. 
It sometimes sounds like that in my home. Maybe you're more godly, but that's just where it is. We might say be quiet, or I'll get corrected when I go talk to her, but still. Do you hug her and kiss her only, not groping her? Listen, men, husbands, future husbands, while the wife, and please hear this, has about three verses pointed at her here. The bulk of this passage is aimed at you. She gets three verses. You get a whole lot more. Men, submission starts with the husband being submitted to Christ. If that doesn't happen, the rest is not ever going to happen. For the wife, the woman, it means learning to submit ultimately to God's plan for allowing her husband to lead her. And in submitting to the husband, you are in the end submitting to Christ. Wives must resist the desire to only see their husband's flesh, their sin, their failures, rather looking to what God can do in and through them. Do you hear that? This is where that I respect you comes into play. Submission, even when he fails or does fail or has failed, is powerful. Submission does never give license to abuse or manipulate. And submission doesn't mean you are less than, can't be used by God or in some way second to man. Rather, it is God's plan for seeing two become one, flesh fully submitted together to God. And submission is not a passive position you just go along with. Here's what submission is. Submission submission is trusting the Lord's work in your husband's soul for life, for the home, for missions, for calling, for building the kingdom as and only as he follows Christ. It's how you come together. And for those who might have unbelieving, unfaithful husbands, do you realize 1 Peter 3 says that your husbands can be won over by your conduct? So don't give up on living these ways. Wives, here's the question for you. Do I believe God's plan is better than my desires and my preferences? Submission is never to be about authority or, excuse me, submission is never authority or abuse or harm or manipulation. We are always called to obey God rather than man. Therefore, if my spouse is harming me or attempting to use God's word to harm me, don't follow along. Rather, ask for help. It is the weakest of men that attempt to use God to abuse. And when an abuser stands to give an account for his life before God, any and all abusers will not be forgotten. So if you know someone in an abusive situation or you are, please contact me. But here's, here's what I want you to hear me. i got to wrap up. In all this talk of submission, there is a secret I want to share with you. There's a secret to all of this. Ready? And please hear this. Husbands that are submitted to Christ will almost supernaturally create a desire for their wives to desire to submit to their husbands. Because in doing so, wives, you are submitting to Christ in your husband. Husbands that are submitted to Christ will create a supernatural desire for their wives to submit to their husbands because in doing so, men, wives, you are submitting to Christ in your husbands. And so while we might bristle at submission, the high calling is on the leadership and the submission of the husband. And many husbands want to complain about their wife, their wife's decisions, lack of certain things they're getting or not getting from their wife. But here's my question to the husband. Are you submitted to Christ? Are you walking in personal holiness? Are you leading your wife to submit to Christ? If you want to fix your marriage, it starts with your relationship with Jesus. And however... I don't think it's possible, and here's what I mean. This all begins with the gospel. We submit to Christ by understanding the gospel first, that we are fully known in every way by God, 
yet he still sent Jesus to die for our sins in our place on the cross. We are sinners. He is good. And only by daily submitting that back to Christ, then can we lead our marriage as well. And this is the starting place of submission. Let me, let me conclude with two stories. I shared them with Beth earlier. I shared one of them. And she said, yeah, you should share that. So um, recently, I guess, maybe a few weeks, well, anyway, a while back, I was in a meeting. Uh, it was one of those contentious, terrible meetings. Um, and I was sitting, and had nothing to do with church, for the record. I was sitting at a boardroom table, and I was ushered in, sat down, and across from me, there's these two men. Uh, big, burly, probably looked like me a little bit, uh, bearded guys. Um, and they were having this minute, and they had drawn their line in the sand, like, we're not budging kind of a thing. And I was like, well, you guys don't understand. And so we had this about 25-minute meeting over this issue. And I just remember about 10 minutes in realizing they could care less about what is being said in this meeting. I could start talking about Georgia football, and they would just sit here acting the exact same way they're acting right now. One guy wouldn't look him in the eyes. The other guy's on his phone. And I was like, what are we doing? This is ridiculous, right? I didn't say that, although who knows. And I remember sitting there and going, this is awful. And so about 25 minutes in, I said, hey, we're not getting anywhere. You guys clearly don't care. We're missing each other. I'm just going to leave. And they kind of looked at me, and then I left. That was the end of the meeting. And I remember thinking, uh, man, this week as I was processing through talking about submission, I think when we say the word submit, and we share that in church and read that verse, verse 22, I think oftentimes that's what we think about. We think about somebody on the other side of the table drawing a line in the sand and saying, only like this. And until you get here, I'm not budging. But man, that, that's not the idea that's painted here in Scripture. That idea is harsh. That idea is not godly. That idea doesn't honor either spouse. And as I kept thinking and praying, I kept thinking about my own wife. And I'll tell you, man, five, six, seven years ago, we started going, I started thinking, hey, Lord, are you preparing us to, to start a church to do this? And, and I would go to her and I'd go, hey, what do you think? And she'd go, not yet. <laughs> And I'd go back to her, and she'd say, not yet. I remember like five years later, I went back to her, hey, so I really thank the Lord. She's like, not yet. I remember that conversation because I started to say it. She knew what I was going to say, and she goes, not yet. I remember about four years ago, I went to her, and she went, maybe. And I was like, oh, we're we going to do this? And then about three, I don't know, maybe four years ago, I don't know the exact timeline, I went to her, and she said, it's time. And I can remember, man, I have my journal where I wrote down, it's time. I heard from the Lord sinking our hearts together. And since then, man, every plan, every desire... Man, every search, listen, she's heard every sermon, so man, tell her thank you, or tell her help him, right? Like, every prayer that we've ever prayed for refuge, most of the songs we've sang, every plan, every event, they've gone to her first, and we've come together allowing the Lord to do something, and that's a picture of submission from my wife. It's not this passive, you go do it, I'll agree, but it's, yeah, there's sometimes you're just wrong, Josh, you need to hear that, like, and we're going to trust the Lord to do something. And this is the idea. And so I say that to honor her, but I also say that please don't get this picture. There's this boardroom. Draw a line. Do what I say. That is not the picture painted by Paul here. The picture is, again, oneness. Two becoming one, moving in the same direction. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we thank you for your word, as heavy as today's is. And we thank you. I mean, I just pray, Lord, as we talked about a, a word that can conjure up, men, some thoughts and some negativity. God, I pray that your word is what was heard above all. I pray you would teach us, Lord, in marriage, God, that, that we have to be submitted to your spirit first and foremost for any of this to work. God, I pray for the couples that are struggling to give forgiveness or grace to their spouse. I pray you would enable that. God, I pray you would draw men couples to yourself. I pray they would find even spiritual intimacy in their lives. God, I pray for these 
Moms on Mother's Day, God, would they feel honored today? God, would you draw us to you? God, we need you and we love you. Thank you for tuning in to the Refuge Church Podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejackschurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent.